The purpose of Wealth Talk is to educate, inform, and hopefully entertain you on the subject of building your wealth. Wealth Builders recommends you should always take independent financial, tax, or legal advice before making any decisions around your finances. Welcome to episode 148 of Wealth Talk. My name is Christian Rodwell, the Membership Director for Wealth Builders, and I'm joined today by our founder, Mr. Kevin Whelan. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Chris. Good to be with you again. Yeah, we've got a bit of a special episode today because we're very lucky to have a copy of your presentation from the BizX conference just a couple of weeks ago when you were live on stage. Woo-woo. <laughs> I'm excited about that, the fact that we can capture it and share it and uh, in two formats, I guess, Chris, both video format for those who kind of want to see what the event looked like, and it was spectacular, and uh, those who just want to listen and get that leverage, you know, when they're running, when they're multitasking, whatever it is they uh, want to do. So uh, either way, it's good. Yeah, that's right. So we do have the video uh, copy of the presentation available for anyone listening right now who wants to go and watch that with all the slides and see the huge audience there of over 1,500 business owners and entrepreneurs. And uh, you can go and check that out by heading to wealthbuilders.co.uk forward slash recurring revenue, all one word. And um, Kevin, just give us a summary then of, of what this event was all about. Yeah, so BizX stands for Business Excellence. And I think it was a long overdue idea, really, born from uh, Action Coach, who are the largest uh, coaching franchise in the world that help business owners become bigger and better business owners. And they invited world-class speakers um, to to talk and to, to share ideas and thoughts uh, I suppose, really, to give an injection of ideas and inspiration post the pandemic and to give people new ways to think about their business, which was the title of my presentation, A New Way to Look at Your Business in 2022. And I'd originally designed the presentation, Chris, for 2020. So, But it didn't happen, of course. And um, at that time, I would have shared the stage with... Uh, um, Lots of other people, lots of famous people who were also looking to, you know, give their knowledge and inspiration. Bob Geldof being one of those. Uh, he wasn't available this time around, but it was a star-studded lineup of, of people sharing their knowledge, sharing their wisdom. And and I hope, and I think now it's an ongoing event. So this was in Farnborough in Surrey, not too far from us, of course. But I think next year, uh, and we'll we'll announce that, I think, Chris, um, BizX will be in Liverpool in 2023. So uh, I've no idea whether I'll be invited to speak again, but either way, you know, we'll be action-packed from Action Coach. Absolutely. And, of course, it was the launch of your new book that was co-authored with the founder of Action Coach, Brad Sugars, and that book is called The Wealth Coach. Mm-hmm. And um, hundreds of copies were sold. I know you were signing away all day and, um, you know, we had great feedback from that. So um, anyone who's listening who'd like to grab a copy of that, that's going to be available on Amazon in the, the next week or so, can head to wealthbuilders.co.uk forward slash wealthcoach. And uh, we'll let you know as soon as that is available. But that's a, a really good book and, uh, you know, a lot of key lessons in there um, that we talk about across the podcasts. Yeah, I mean, essentially, it's more of a narrative style. Uh, walking 
I suppose, a journey, a transitional journey, a transformational journey of a family um, who suffered tragedy like I did. So there's some parallels in the story, um, albeit the the coach who's um, Frank, who's, who's the coach in the book, is 68 years of age. I am not 68. It's not me. <laughs> anyway, the, the lessons are really to, to help the business owner create recurring income both inside and outside of the business and also to help an employee who equally, you know, the common denominator is always being time poor, uh, successful people in their own right, of course, but successful at generating income is not successful at keeping it uh, when things change. Uh, um, I think I said in the presentation, Chris, the, the new order is disorder. And, and that's certainly true. And I think for employees or for business owners, getting recurring income in your life is a way to become financially bulletproof, whatever wind blows upon us from an economic viewpoint or, or whatever would come at us from left field, which uh, so many things we haven't predicted in recent years. And I'm sure the more of those uh, coming down the pipe. Yeah. So here we go with the live presentation. This was from the 31st of March of this year at the BizX conference. And don't forget, if you want to watch the video of Kevin on stage with all the slides, head to wealthbuilders.co.uk forward slash recurring revenue. And uh, Kevin, we won't debrief this one. So we'll leave our listeners with this 30 minute presentation. Yeah. Only one thing to correct though, Chris, because um, in the heat of the 1500, well, sets of eyes, plus 500, of course, online. So that was a mixture was kind of a hybrid event. I did say something which I now realize was, was factually incorrect, but not major. Um, so there's a session there or a section there where I talk about being your own private bank and that most people in business will get either nothing or 0.1. And I show an example there where I get 12% on my money. And I think I misguidedly referred to it as you'd have to leave your money in the bank for 240 years to get the same kind of return. Well, of course, it's 120 years, but that's still a very long time. Okay. And I think if anybody can help you get a return, which is 120 times bigger than you get in the bank, I would still sit up and take notice. Yeah, we'll allow you that one when you've got all of those thousands of eyeballs staring back at you. So uh, here we go. Enjoy the presentation. Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. And I have to say, I'm so delighted to see real faces, to be able to share and to celebrate being in business and what business is all about and how appropriate it was. Did you notice when you drove in? It said the home of pioneering spirit. And I think our pioneering spirit has been tested, hasn't it, over the last few years. And therefore, I believe we've got good reason to be celebrating. And I just want to extend a quick note of thanks to Julie and the team at Action Coach because I was invited to speak at this event two years ago. This is the longest speech I've ever done. And as a result, you know, the perseverance that they put in to make this special, to get world-class speakers and thought leaders to share their ideas with you, I think is absolutely fantastic. Oh, well, thank you. Now, they, uh, they demonstrated perseverance in great order, and I want to just say to you, persevere with me for the next 30 minutes, and do not, especially you high Ds, 
you know, who, nobody tells me what to do, right? Don't open the envelope because what you'll get is a surprise and a gift from me that will bring you, and I promise you, good fortune. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to invite you to look at your business in a new way, to look at your company through a new lens, in fact, two lenses. And if you do that, I promise you you'll get two outcomes that I hope you would want. One, a huge increase in the value of your business. And number two, more free time than you ever thought was possible. Is anybody up for that? Oh, I'm in the right room. That's good. What I'd like you to be is to imagine you are an entrepreneurial magnet. A magnet that's attracting two streams, recurring streams of income. Not income that you get from the same customer, not income that you trade time for money, but income that repeats and repeats and repeats. And if you can do that, you can become financially bulletproof. And in a world where the new order seems to be disorder, I think if we can get those recurring income streams coming in both inside of our business and outside of our business, then you can create that financial independence whether you sell your business or whether you keep your business. But just as a reminder, over the last two years, us business owners, we've been through the mill, haven't we? I mean, let's just take a quick review of what's happened over the last two years. Who can remember Brexit? And we've seen other royal family indiscretions as well. Brexit, I mean, that just seems like a done deal now, isn't it? So, so long ago. Now, of course, once in a century we get something, a black swan event like coronavirus, and that's devastated many businesses. But just imagine the devastation going on in Ukraine right now. I mean, just, not just three million people over the last three weeks have become refugees. But imagine if you were in business in Ukraine and your business was devastated by an unjust war. I don't want to make a political statement. I'm not a political guy. I think he makes enough statements, doesn't he? And we've seen party politics in a whole new world, in a whole new light. And we've seen Rishi Sunak. And I believe Rishi's done a good job. I'm an economist myself, and I think he did a sterling job putting the power of the exchequer behind the lives and livelihoods as affected in coronavirus. But I'm sad to say, ladies and gentlemen, that it's we as the entrepreneurs, the backbone, the beating heart of the economy, will be suffering as a direct result of this in two ways. Number one, the massive hike in corporation tax coming in 2023. And number two, well, you can see there, the entrepreneur's relief was slashed. Previously, you could sell a business for 10 million and pay 10% capital gains tax. That's been slashed to 1 million. Now, that's not just a cut, is it? That's just a huge slash. And what that means is it's denying us as the entrepreneurs that right, I think, that we have to gain the maximum value from our, uh, the sale of our businesses. 
But I think the combination of the two will depress the value of our businesses. This isn't a depressing point, but I want to show you how to do things differently. But in order to do that, I need to invite you. Do you want to take the blue pill or the red pill? What do you think? Take the blue pill and you wake up in your business on Monday morning. It will all have been a dream and you believe whatever you want to believe. Take the red pill and I'll show you how deep the rabbit hole really goes. What do you think? Red. red? Who wants red? Right, we'll go down the red route. Shocking statistics coming your way. Now, see if you can work out what they are. Okay, so you can interact with me on this one. So I'm going to share with you some numbers. What do you think they might represent? Five million. What do you think? It's the number of businesses in the UK. What about 50,000? That is the number of businesses that are sold each year in the UK. The vast majority of businesses that are up for sale don't get sold. Only 50,000 businesses are sold in the UK. Now, the data is sketchy, and I have rounded some of these numbers for effect, but it's approximately correct. What about 5,000? 5,000 is the number of businesses based on capital gains tax records who've claimed the maximum entrepreneur's relief. Now called something different, of course, 5,000 out of 5 million. So only 0.1% of the business-owning population are selling their businesses for more than a million pounds. That's interesting, isn't it? Are we getting paid for our blood, sweat, and years? Well, most businesses, it would appear, seem to be selling at the average age of the business owner is 57 years of age. So it feels more like a retirement plan. And I meet many business owners, and here's an interesting number. What do you think this is? Five. What do you think? When I ask a business owner, I say, you know, according to Michael Gerber, that great book, The Purpose of a Business is to Sell It, when do you think you might be ready to sell your business? What do they say? About five years. Yeah, about five years. About five years, Kevin. That's a great plan. If I meet them again at a networking meeting live like this and say, when are you thinking about selling your business? What will they say? About five years, yeah. It's always about five years away. But of course, for many business owners, five years just doesn't come. Now, I'm very passionate about business owners. I mentioned I'm an economist, and I'm a business owner just like you. But my specialty is recurring income. I've spent my life building businesses around recurring income. And for my sins, I've also written a few books. And yesterday I arrived, and I was thrilled that the latest book, called The Wealth Coach, yes, I'll take that, written or co-authored by myself and Brad Sugars, which is really designed to try and help you understand the ways that you can create that recurring income 
both inside and outside of your business. And uh, I hope some of you will uh, avail yourselves of this. It's a tenor. And by the way, the first speaker said, you know, you should take action. So who wants a copy of the book? Come and get it. Who's quick? Who's quick? Oh, Oh, I love that. I love that. Now, I was long ago told by a speaker coach that if you have an accent, you need to tell people where it comes from. Otherwise, they'll spend more time concentrating on trying to work out where you're from instead of listening to the content. This is where I'm from. Anybody know where that is? It's the Tyne Bridge. It's not the Sydney Arbor Bridge. It's the Tyne Bridge. And when I cross that bridge, I know I'm going home. And I was raised there. And when you live in Newcastle, my mum and dad came from a very poor background. My father, in fact, when you, he had two choices when he left school at 15. You either went down the shipyard or you went down the coal mine. He went doing the shipyard, and he was a worker in the shipyard, and my mother stacked razor blades in Wilkinson swords, long before disposable blades and those sorts of things. And, you know, he didn't do too well. You know, we lived in a council house, uh, but he got lucky. Uh, because he was a welder, and he was a very good welder, do you remember when we used to explore oil in the North Sea? I mean, that, the whole thing's turning now, isn't it, about changing the way we uh, evaluate fossil fuels. But he got a job in the North Sea with BP, and the money started to come in a bit more. It was worth much more to do welding on a pipeline than it was on ships, which, of course, now no longer are made there. And I discovered for the first time that he became a business owner because when he was doing the work, he also noticed that BP and other companies needed more welders and needed more inspectors, and he created a business. And I remember him showing me something that I'd never seen before, and I I guess, have you shown your kids this? It was a certificate of incorporation. It was a business. He created a business called ISL Limited. Inspectors, supervisors, and labor. And he was essentially an agent. And he would hire people, so he'd get paid for the work he did and paid a proportion of the work of others. And the money started rolling in. So we moved out of the council house from Biker. No, we don't know Anton Deck, right? Not everybody from Biker knows them. And we moved to a house which he bought with a mortgage, and instead of having a Ford Anglia parked on the drive, we had a couple of cars, uh, well, on the street, really, because we didn't have a drive, a couple of cars then, and things were going swimmingly well until it all stopped. And I remember the year. It was a seminal year for me. It was 1985. Anybody old enough to remember 1985? A few of the, I see a few gray hair, no hair, just like me, right? 1985, some great things happened, didn't they? Remember the mobile phones? You know, remember that brick? And the first electric car, 1985, did 20 miles on a single charge, but you could only, 
Well, this was Clive Sinclair. I think he was way, way, way ahead of his time. Sadly, no longer with us, of course. But in 1985, I got a call, and it wasn't a call you expect. And the call that I got was, "Kevin, your dad's dead. He died on the North Sea oil rig. He had a heart attack. They couldn't fly him off." They couldn't save him, and he died there. Now that's a personal tragedy, and I'm not looking for sympathy here. That happened a long time ago, but the financial consequences to my dad as a business owner passed on to the family in a way that I want to share with you. You see, he didn't get round to things, and I've heard business owners say these two words to me, or these two sentences to me, almost every week of my life. Kevin, I've been meaning to get round to that, but I'm just too busy. Anybody ever said that? Yeah. Do you recognise that? You know, I'm genuinely trying to help you think about this stuff. Now, when my dad died, unfortunately, he was 46 years of age. He didn't have a business succession plan. He didn't make a will. He didn't have life cover for the mortgage. He didn't do things that he should have done. Now, if I could ask him now, Dad, you know, you put the family in a position where we went backwards as a family. He would say, "I was meaning to get round to it some, but I just got busy." Some of you, maybe. Might want to make sure you've taken care of your families by doing your wills, doing your powers of attorney, but that's for another day. Now, immediately that effect on me—I was in 1985. Was another. I met my wife. I moved to London to find fame and fortune in employment. But I realised, you know, we were genetically cut from the same cloth. If I lived the same length of time, I simply couldn't save enough money as an employee. So in 1990, I stopped trading time for money and decided instead to become a business owner, just like you. And I built businesses, and my businesses reflected my interest in finance and money. And I built a mortgage-broking business that I sold under license. I've got an IFA practice with many, many millions under management, a pensions administration company. And a wealth coaching and membership business that currently generates more than seven figures in recurring, so I don't need to turn up for the money to turn up. And I'm going to show you how to do that in the remaining time that I've got. But this is my office is on a farm in Sussex, and when you work on a farm, you have different levels of risk you have to think about. Who can remember what this means? Anybody? What does it mean, sir? It's mad cow's disease. Now, mad cow's disease, ladies and gentlemen, is pretty rare. But I want to show you a disease that I see. That's not a pandemic, but it's completely endemic. And I call it mad entrepreneur's disease. And now the face is a man, but it could equally be a woman. And what I want to do is. Honor and pay respect to you for being smart, because look at all the hats you have to wear. It's not like you've got a job, 
and you do one thing, you've got to do everything, the sales, the marketing, the admin. You've got to build and manage all the relationships. And of course, you've got to build and grow your team. And that puts pressure on you, doesn't it? And where does that pressure show more than anywhere else? In your time. In your time. And I would want to encourage you, yes, to be smart, but be smarter. And the E stands for have an enterprise that works without you, and I'm sure Brad would be happy for me saying that. And R is generate recurring income, become smarter as an employee, as a business owner, I'm sorry. And I think what I notice, the blind spots, when your bandwidth is affected, you have so little time to take care of some things that should be urgent, but they never get on the to-do list, so they never get to done. And one of those is recurring income. This is a pretty wealthy guy, and I think you can see what he said. If you don't find a way to make money while you sleep, in other words, recurring income, you'll work till you die. And that's true. I'm going to show you a case for recurring income and focusing on that, and then different ways that you can use to do that. Now, I remember I said to you, I want you to be an entrepreneurial magnet. And if you can generate recurring income, then you're already finding the E, which is the business is no longer dependent upon you. The income becomes predictable. It's less risky. And that suits a business buyer, an acquirer, because that's what they're buying is predictable revenue. So the more you have predictable revenue, the more your business is worth. And John Worrell, who wrote a great book called Built to Sell, definitely one worth looking at, said a business where the predominance of the income is recurring is worth eight times more than a business that's trading a product for money or a service for money. What would you rather do? Work eight times as hard to make the profit and then a business acquirer sees the risk? Or find a recurring method of generating that revenue so that you can sell that business for maximum value at minimum risk to an inquirer. And by the way, if you don't ever sell it, you pass it on to your kids or you pass it on to your employees or you keep it, it still gives you all the free time that you could have because you don't have to show up in the business. The money shows up, but you don't have to. So take stock as you think about your business. How much money is coming recurring automatically? I don't mean the customer buys again, but It just comes automatically, time after time after time. And what could you do about that? Because everybody can do something, and I spend my time trying to help business owners do that as a business wealth coach, to show them how they could find that. And usually I see things they don't see. But let's give you some real-life examples. If you've got a product or a service, Could you find a way to automate the delivery of that product or automate the delivery of a service? And be curious about it. Can you think of things that you're doing, you're subscribing to, you're investing in, in a product or a service that you do or you buy? I do. I mean, this is Mr. Lathwaite, Tony Lathwaite. Does anybody know who Tony Lathwaite is? 
He sells wine by mail order and he sells a lot of it to me, unfortunately. But he's worth 160 million. That's not bad. And you've seen the proliferation of food things, haven't you? Uh, you know, restaurant boxes and food boxes and so on. What about membership and subscriptions? You know, the value of the money from Amazon Prime coming from Mr. Bezos there, 25 billion a year. 25 billion. And that's before he ships a product. That's just the people paying the Prime figure. And I think Mr. Sugars is doing okay. 10,000 coaches all paying some kind of a fee. Now, these are examples of people who've mastered this, but what could you do to do something? Could you find some way to create a membership, some way to create a VIP uh, experience, some way to create some form of relationship that people would willingly pay for? Now, you don't even have to have a business. You can create a gateway. A gateway is where you find an opportunity where people are looking and you put the business together by connecting people. It's a connection idea. And this is, anybody know who this is? Martin Lewis, the money-saving expert. Sold his business for 90 million. So lots of good things you can do inside your business, but don't get tunnel vision. Don't get focused exclusively on what you can do inside of your business, but everybody can do something. And inside the book, there'll be some other reasons or some other ways that can't show you everything in 30 minutes. So I'm going to show you three things that you can do outside of your business that anybody can do. And it's pension, property, and private bank. Private bank. Kevin, do I have a private bank? A private bank exists when you think about something in a different way. Do you remember? That's the title of my presentation. If you've got more money in your business than you're taking out in dividends, then you're accumulating money where? In your bank account that somebody else is using and lending that money to a third party. Now, usually, you get about 0% or 0.1% on the money that you've got. But I can show you how you can become a bank and be, use that money as a private bank. You can see this property here. This is a property on the Isle of Wight. It's a commercial property, which I funded, uh, or part-funded. And I loaned to this project £200,000 from my business, and I got 1% a month for one year. How much did I make? £24,000. If I'd had that money in the bank at 0.1, how many years would it take me to have earned that money? Yes, 240 years, probably. If you can do the math, even if I got the decimal point in the wrong place, it's a huge amount of time. So you can turn yourself into a private bank, and this is what I do, and this is what I show. And the returns can go back to the business for you to do what? Anything. So if you wanted to use that money to pay for a coach, an action coach, a wealth coach, or to pay for marketing or some other way to support your business or scale your business, you could do that. And this is what it turned into, which is just a commercial property that was turned into residential. My client, who is the developer, made 150 grand, and I made 24 grand, and that was fine. 
And that's just using the money in your bank. The second is pension. Most business owners don't like pensions too much because they think it's a long-term play. But we saw earlier on, most people are in business for a long-term play because the average age is 57. But because you can ring-fence the money, it's protected from creditors. It's protected from legal action. It's protected from HMRC. You can use your profits and put it in a bank that then you get the tax back. So your corporation tax is refunded to you, but you've still got access to your own private bank account. And it's income tax-free, corporation tax-free, capital gains tax-free, and inheritance tax-free. I don't know about you, that's pretty damn tax-free in my view. And there's a special kind of pension that I have expertise in. It's called a SAS. Uh, sorry about the complexity of the language, but that's HMRC for you. wouldn't win any marketing prizes, you marketing gurus out there. Small self-administered scheme. And basically what it means is you own your pension. So instead of it being with a legal in general or a Viva or any other company I could mention, the money belongs to you. And what you can do with that money is anything you want because you become the trustee. And we teach people how to be trustees. So if you want to buy funds, you can buy them at wholesale prices. So instead of paying 2%, which most people pay in the UK, you could probably pay 0.2. That's a huge reduction in fees. If you want to buy gold or commodities, you could do that. If you want to invest in crowdfunding or cryptocurrency. But the most popular investment is property. Uh, most people are using their SAS pensions in the UK, certainly with us, and we help thousands of business owners do that, to buy and acquire property because it gives them a diversification. And it's a great legacy because you can pool the money with your family, and what it allows you to do then is create an increase in the lifetime allowance. So I've got five people in mind. Okay, so wife... Myself and three children, that means the lifetime allowance now is five million, not one million, because you're pooling your assets. You can have up to 11 people in a small self-administered scheme. Okay. And then finally, lots of ways that you can buy and own property, and if you hold them in a SAS, completely tax-free. So lots of things that uh, I think I can share with you and share with you more in the Wealth Coach book. Uh, come and see us later on if you want to get access to that. But I'm going to leave you with a thought that when you go back to your businesses, I hope you've taken the red pill and not the blue pill. And although you don't have too much time, you've got time for a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and a little snack. And my favorite snack to have with my cup of tea is that. What is it? And of course, when we look at our business in a different light, we always know that Kit Kat wrappers are always, except when they're blue. And they were blue in the war because there wasn't enough milk to make milk chocolate and it was all dark. But the most fascinating thing about Kit Kats, and can you believe I'm talking about that, is in Japan. Because Kit Kat is not a confection, it's an obsession. And they have over 200 flavors of Kit Kats in Japan. And they sell millions and millions because the word 
Kit Kat in Japanese is Kitu Katsu. Literally means good luck or good fortune. And they use them to give gifts or good luck messages to children and to students in their exams. So I think you've probably already worked out what's in your envelope. You, you can open now, by the way. Well, a round of applause for a Kit Kat. I never thought that would happen. But what I would like you to do, ladies and gentlemen, is go back to your business. I've given you a two finger Kit Kat, not because I'm cheap, because it's entirely appropriate. The first finger, I want you to have a cup of tea and go, snap, how do I create recurring income inside my business? And the second one, snap. How do I create recurring income outside of my business? And if you want to know how you've got that curiosity, I'll be here for the next few days with my team on a stand at the back called Wealth Builders and we'll be happy to share with you how to do that. And when you do that, you are financially bulletproof. And I wish you, ladies and gentlemen, Kitokatsu, good fortune. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget that we are constantly updating our resources inside the Wealth Builders membership site to help you create, build, and protect your wealth. Head over to wealthbuilders.co.uk slash membership right now for free access. That's wealthbuilders.co.uk slash membership.